it's a Thursday, and Christmas is, what, two weeks away? Thanksgiving is in the rearview mirror. Hello once again, everybody. It is another fine week with your Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. It's your boy, Heel Mahoney. As we are on the road to the holidays, we're a couple weeks left here in 2019. And we got the group back together again tonight to discuss another week in this crazy world that is professional wrestling. I got Damian G here with me all the way from Texas. How's it going, Damian? Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, You're going to talk about AEW last night since I was there. Yeah, we'll, we are going to get to that. You're going to be our lead man tonight after we go around the room here because we got to get the local flavor into place. It would not be the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast without the giant crab Jamal in the house. Hello. How are things? How's it going? I'm, I'm trying good. to stay warm. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm good. Uh, it's actually not warm because I was in Canada last weekend where it was, it was a brisk 20 degrees. But um, no, it's good. We're, we're a week out from Christmas and we actually have a pay per view this weekend. So. Tables, ladders, and a card, maybe? <laughs> Hopefully. Something of that sort. You brought the cold front back from Canada. I'm blaming you. But it is yeah, winter-like. You, so. you That's can do it's that because, you know, it's December. So it's okay. Exactly. It's par for the course, at least. And last but not least, Silly Celis Marcellus is in the house to round things out tonight. How's it going? Yes, sir. What's going on, guys? I am good. Just ready to start cracking and talking about wrestling. There you go. We are without two chains tonight because he is in Hawaii of all places. So he's enjoying very nice uh, uh, beaches and uh, volcanoes, I am hoping. And uh, we'll see if that's uh, what's up. We meet up again in a week or so. But the big thing we want to lead off with is our boy Damien was in Texas. And that is where he is from. And he was, he was at AEW Dynamite last night, just 24 hours ago. So it's always good to have a man on the spot in the building when the show is happening to give any kind of unique perspectives and tell us what's actually going on on the ground. So what would be your first takeaway from your first time at the AEW experience? Well, being that it was a smaller venue, the only other times I've gone to before it was AEW was, you know, all or double or nothing. And the one before that. So seeing the same elite cast of characters wasn't too different for me, for me but the venue uh, pretty much a sellout aside from just having those, I guess, camera side seats with no one in them, just, I guess, to stay away mm-hmm. from the camera, uh, the hard cam. Uh, the lighting was an issue <laughs> for, for me and a few other people because it was almost as if we were in a club with strobe lights most of the night. Uh, yeah, basically I was just waiting for a sandstorm (laughs) to play in the background, you know, but, uh, uh, overall the production, I know we've talked about it live. It seemed okay. Uh, the sound during the commercial breaks, you know, when they would play a person's theme song, Sammy Guevara's theme song went on forever and people were starting to get really annoyed in the crowd to the point where they were cussing that the commercial needs to end. Uh, which, you know, live events that happens from time to time, but overall the crowd, they started off soft. Uh, Moxley comes out the beginning uh, for those who haven't seen it. Spoilers. Uh, Moxley comes out the beginning, Uh crushes Alex Reynolds in probably about 10 seconds. Uh, and, and then, you know, easy night for Mox. And then we have, uh, Jericho and his uh, cast of characters come out. But after that happened, that opening segment, the ebb and flow at the arena, kind of kind of waxed and waned. There was a lot of moments where even though you have a lot of this premier talent like Hangman Page, because that's when it started picking back up when Hangman Page came back on with the hashtag cowboy shit. Uh, that, that's when the crowd started picking up again. And even when they got to the street fight, or the Texas street fight with, uh, I'll still call them LAX, versus you know the Bucks, and it was just, there were just moments where people were just amped to be there more so than being amped at the action they were seeing, if that makes That's sense. That's an interesting point. Interesting point. Yep. So people that were more all about just the event and being at the event in being town. Being a part and, of it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Then the actual, like, wrestling itself. Yes. For instance, and we talked off air about the women's match between uh, Emmy and, uh, and Big Swole. The crowd did not really pop much during the match, even though my section was was pretty much in Swole's corner. 
And she, I, I don't care what anyone tells me. I honestly think if they really put some time into her, she can develop into the star they're looking for mm-hmm. and not force feed us Britt Baker, you know, DD, uh, DDS or whatever she calls herself, not DMD. Uh, but overall, that was pretty much that. The Dark Order vignette didn't go over really well, but then against the Dark Order, uh, the Blade, the Butcher, and the Bunny. Uh, I think Allie got a bigger pop than the rest of the other two guys. Uh, Cody coming out early, I guess, is customary for one of the elite to lead off the show or be close to the front of the show. Uh, that set a good tone. MJF, people were booing him because he was getting on people's nerves, not because he was being a good heel. Mm-hmm. Which, which for me is quite the change because everybody for a long time was all in on, on MJF for a while. And it just seems that this program of Cody... For me, at least, it's not connecting. Uh, and a couple other people I talked to on Twitter, they said the same thing. It just, it doesn't seem proper to have those two feuding, only because we always knew MJF was a dick. But now it's okay. So he turned on one of the the big wigs of AEW. How am I supposed to hate him even more than I used to? Nothing's really changed in his heel work. He's still being a heel uh, overall. But if I had to kind of just talk about some of the things I, re- I personally enjoyed. Uh, I just really enjoyed people wanting to give a new product a chance. Uh, I think that, like I was saying before, that was something that was not lost on me. Uh, the announcement of the pay-per-view did not go over too well either. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, February 29th, there wasn't a big pop for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know why. I just think maybe at that point, uh, Dallas just isn't really a wrestling town unless the Von Erics are involved. And I had this conversation before. Uh, if a, if the Von Erics aren't in town or aren't relevant, a lot of old Texas wrestling fans don't bother showing up. So, which would explain why the MLW show in Texas a few months ago uh, drew, but uh, this this didn't have a lot of energy behind it. And randomly, after <laughs> after the main show goes off the air, Teddy Hart randomly just shows up in the audience during AEW Dark with his cat, with his obnoxious outfit, and. <laughs> He just walks on in and and it's just okay. Well, Teddy's trying to trying to kind of hold on for his dear life because his career is pretty much careening out of control again. And uh that probably is one of the weirdest highlights of the night. Uh and, and I would say obviously the homer of having uh cowboy Adam Page, your know, hangman just do his thing, got the crowd kind of hyped up with the whole cowboy shit chant or whatever. Uh Pac, <laughs> he really is a namesake because every time he would cut off Orange Cassidy or when he kicked Orange Cassidy in the face, that elicited one of the biggest boos of the night just because Orange Cassidy is so over uh, doing exactly what he does. And I think for me, that was a highlight seeing him live. I had never seen Orange Cassidy live before. So for me, that was a big treat. Cool. So let me ask this. Let me ask this, Damien. When you or the people in the crowd left for the night, were you mm-hmm. guys satisfied with the product of the show? And what type of school letter grade would you give it? Yes, because it was fun. I would say it was an overall show. Uh, B, B minus okay. uh, was the grade I would give it. Uh, there were some flat things, like I had said before we came on air, about the Janela kidnapping Tully Blanchard. That just fell flat. <laughs> Uh, because the lights go out, we're thinking it's going to be something big. It's freaking Janela kidnapping Tully Blanchard in a very fake-looking, for wrestling terms, fake-looking kidnapping attempt. Uh, the Sean Spears experiment, sorry, dude, no one cares. <laughs> you know, I was literally screaming, your wife is better in my section, so that just Ooh. tells you enough right there. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna hit that block button on you he's a sensitive fine. man <laughs> and be the first wrestler to block me won't be the last one it's fine you'll be in good company with me he, he finds those people it's 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 funny <laughs> you know and I'm, I'm wanting to root for sean spears because i always felt you know he had a little bit of a higher ceiling in wwe but whatever this whole fake chairman of the board thing just no mm-hmm. oh the most over person that wasn't a wrestler was aubrey they chanted for her the whole damn night. Ref wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When at our show, at the first show here in DC, the biggest people I noticed that were over compared to, you know, once you got past the big names, 
the the two main people I thought were the most over in the building were Orange Cassidy and Luchasaurus. Oh, and yeah. Luchasaurus oh, absolutely. Continue to be over as can be everywhere he goes, no matter the town. But isn't that kind of interesting though that like Orange Cassidy uh, may have not wrestled a singles match to date. He's only been in a couple of like six minutes and stuff like that. Luchasaurus mm-hmm. hasn't won a match to date. At a singles capacity, but I think he won a tag, maybe two tag wins or something like that. Not impressive records at all in AEW, yet they're some of the most over guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even elevated Marco Stunt. Yeah, even uh, elevated Marco Stunt in a way because people were really down on him um, and and his ability to to just wrestle, just in general. Just why is he here? Who left this teddy bear into the ring? <laughs> um, and, but obviously, so if records matter and their records aren't really that great, then there's a difference between Luchasaurus and Sean Spears. Mm-hmm. So uh, about the um, uh, the venue itself. Now, I've, I've only been to Dallas once, and I know that Garland is not in Dallas. No. Do you think that this venue, uh, if they were to have it in more of a centralized downtown Dallas or downtown Fort Worth, uh, you know, would it be would it have a, like a, a bigger buzz, or is going out to to the suburbs to a show in a smaller, older building may not be as tra- as attractive as going to not the American Airlines Center where the Mavericks play, but a nicer, bigger theater or something that could have accommodated seven thousand people. I think uh, if they did a a pay per view or or let's say a Bash of the Beach type special. They could have moved it to Arlington and drawn really well uh, because mm-hmm. that's kind of like the bridge between Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, where people can meet in the middle kind of kind of situation. Because I talked to you know a couple of my friends who live out in Fort Worth and they did they wanted to go. But since it was in Garland, they weren't about to make the trip. And then by the time dark ended, they would have to drive back an hour and change to go mm-hmm. back you know, to Fort Worth. So I honestly think if they move it to probably a little bit more towards Arlington, though they would be able to draw uh, a bigger audience, for sure. Yeah. I mean, personally, that's why I didn't look into going to um, All Out or um, the first one, All In, because it wasn't in Chicago. It was an hour outside of Chicago. Right. In, Uh uh, like, Hoffman States or something like that. And now that they announced that this pay-per-view is happening actually in downtown, well, not outside of the loop, but in the center of Chicago... Next to uh, the convention center where CE2E2 is going to be happening, mm-hmm. a part of that weekend. Oh, I'm suddenly interested now. Except it's Chicago in February, so fuck that. But, <laughs> but would now you have my interest? So do you think that AEW, you know, is that something that the difference between going to a show and not going to a show could be the drive? And if you yeah. live on in Fort Worth, or if you live in Southern Dallas, because Garland's on the north end of town. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the difference. So, do you think that that's something that you would want to see them improve upon? Because uh, as much as I love Ring of Honor, I will not be at Final Battle this weekend because the venue is in. It's not in downtown Baltimore. It's on a college campus outside of town. Oh. It's not worth it, you know, going to and driving home from a midnight when the show ends. I honestly think they're still gauging audience reception in terms of ticket sales and whether or not they can for a non pay-per-view event. Uh, I, I honestly think they don't want to fall on their face. So they're still playing it mm-hmm. safe. They're still at that point where they can play it safe and get these smaller venues, these 4,000, 3,000 person venues, sell that and, you know, be okay. But I honestly think at this point, they're ready to move on from, from those smaller venues. I think it's, it's worth the risk. If Tony Khan is as involved as people are t- were telling me yesterday, as he ha- as he's involved, it's worth the risk. Yeah. The overwhelming reaction I got last night when they announced um where it's a what, revolution yes. the next AEW pay per view on a on Leap Day apparently February 29th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, yeah. when they announced a- AEW takeover revolution. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Get, getting those names, always you getting those names and those concepts that are already out there. But Revolution's generic enough that I don't think they could pull any uh, kind of 
locking that one down. That's probably a name any company can use <laughs> pretty safely. Um, but the reaction I saw online when they announced it was pretty universally. It was Chicago again. Like they've been to Chicago so many times now. And I get the thinking of we're piggybacking on the C2E2 convention. So that's going to help with, you know, the crowd. We're actually going to be in the city this time as opposed to out in the suburbs. But it's definitely kind of putting forth that vibe that Chicago is like their Orlando, where there's just, they are based between that, between Chicago and Jacksonville. It's like I said, Vegas. It's like there, there's so many areas. They just, they haven't even hit the West coast at all. And it's kind of really jumping out at me now that it's like, Okay, you've done the East Coast. You did well, Chicago multiple times. You've done mm-hmm. Vegas. It's like, when are they doing L.A.? When are they well, doing like fair, California? You they've know? done. They've only done ten shows of Dynamite, and they've had five or six pay-per-views events before that. Mm-hmm. So, fifteen dates in uh, a year and a half. That's not a lot of the country. Now, granted, of more than a few of those dates have been in replete places like Chicago and Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. But uh, we know the tie to Jacksonville, so that's a given. And we right. know that they uh, have a show, you know, having a show in Vegas and having a show in Chicago is going to be a given. But also, we know that they've skipped over some of the big money markets like New York, which is hideously expensive mm-hmm. to run in, uh, Boston and uh, Detroit and, and stuff like that. So, you know, they did go to Dallas. They did go to the Metroplex. They're, but they're going to Corpus Christi instead of Houston. They're going to right. Corpus Christi instead of New Orleans or Orlando. Right. Is that where you want to end your year? And no, no shade on Corpus Christi, but Texas is the size of France, and you you, you want to end up in Corpus Christi over a Houston <laughs> or over an Austin, which they will be in Austin later on next year. But it just seems weird when we talk about crowd sizes as a marker of like longevity for the product. Um, they were in the Verizon Center or the Capital One Arena downtown yep. DC, and that's where they started. And to date, that is the biggest venue that they've just been about in to so say far. That. Good point. Good point. And, and that crowd was hot in DC. Now, granted, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. That was the first show ever mm-hmm. uh, for Dynamite. But I think they have a good idea historically where wrestling is in the country and where mm-hmm. the territories lie. So it's just really peculiar that they still are banking on these smaller venues that are far flung from the urban centers, like a Corpus Christi, like a Garland, instead of an Arlington or an Irving or Fort Worth. And, and let me ask this, Damien, was it a complete sellout or was it still seats missing in a smaller venue, you know, where it was? There were a smattering of seats still still available. Uh, as I said before, I don't know if they purposely didn't allow people to sit camera side yeah. uh, on that other side of the venue because it was a big gaping hole, <laughs> essentially, right, right, where, right, where there right. was no one allowed. Uh, but other than that, there were there were some, especially in the upper seats, there were some missing seats. But I'm there. I, I was probably about four rows from the floor seats, so from my vantage point, it looked pretty packed. For, mm-hmm. for for what I saw. Uh, and it filled in late because there were some people coming in maybe two matches in where they showed up. Mm. And I wonder if that's because of the earlier start time being on the uh, in the central time zone. Yeah, 7 o'clock start. Yeah, 7 o'clock very much, Very much could be. People getting yeah. out of work and then they got to get to the show. So that's, and, that's... But now they just got to get to a show, but they got to get to a show that's 20 miles outside of downtown Dallas, you know, yeah. an hour's drive outside of downtown Fort Worth, you know, to this gym and not in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's a beautiful Walmart in the parking lot, but they, <laughs> it's it just, there's a difference between going downtown to a big show than going out to the suburbs. And I, I really, I'm kind of curious to see how that much of the trend is going to continue. We talk about right. so much about how NXT should leave full sale, but maybe AXT and AXT, maybe, um, AEW needs to step it up a bit and go to where the people are. 
Yeah, well, it makes you wonder what, you know, there's been so much talk that they were picking the cities based on where they were seeing ticket sales for, like, the traveling people coming to the first shows when they were running, you know, Double or Nothing and mm-hmm. all that, all the first the first couple events. Supposedly, they were picking cities based on that and just where they were seeing the pay-per-view buys at. So it makes you wonder, like, are they purposely not going to some of these places that we're mentioning because there just isn't as much data coming back that there's interest there or is it a cost thing you know what what part of the equation is it and then it also could it partly be as we can get into now as weeks are going by their ratings are kind of all over the map as far Mm -hmm. as what kind of crowd they're drawing the the big story tonight as we record this is this might be the first time ever i'm thinking back even during the monday night wars i don't think we ever had a dead ass tie right we straight up had a tie for the the week and it's a seven let's see here the overall number for both shows last night was seven hundred and seventy eight thousand and that's for still both going shows. down yeah they that, that's to me the bigger story both of them nxt and aew both went down pretty significant amounts from last week so that, to mm-hmm. me, is the bigger story. The tie is just an interesting little asterisk on it. But that they both went down. Do you chalk that up to the holidays? Do you chalk that up to just, you know, there isn't the buzz around this that a lot of people think there would be? I mean, I don't know. Now, you know, we now come to back be fair, chance. both mm-hmm. of them went down. But in the key demographic of 18 to 49, AEW right. had a higher share percentage than NXT. So if right. you look That's at the chart. That's been the case all along. AEW is going to have AEW is going to come first in order, and then NXT is going to be somewhere down. Now, great AEW barely cracked the top ten, while NXT is still sniffing around the bottom twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. AEW is definitely skewing younger, so it it has that. But it's still very concerning to me from where they started that it's been the way this number is fluctuating every week is like really interesting to me, and just. What exactly is causing that? I'm not sure. Like, them, you know, we're past the point of like, you know, say, well, it was the World Series, or you know, there was this big game that night, and it's like, no, okay, last night was just regular old Wednesday <laughs> it's night, regular, you know? right? And and all the network shows are on their fall break, so it's no Christmas shows or any specials that's like breaking the monotony on on Wednesday. And when all the things come back over the New Year, when you talk about Christmas time, New Year, and all the new shows are coming back from the network. I'm hoping that this number will don't will not fall, you know, fewer than what it is now because it's going to be a real concern about where it's going to go, and and I'm not liking the direction it's going. Well, yeah, I don't so think anybody's like- liking the direction it's going, but the the real is is that if you have 778,000 people yeah. watching both NXT and AEW, you have to also take into consideration that NXT runs about eight to ten minutes longer. And it does factor into the rating. Um, but like looking at the dem- different demographics, uh, you know, males of uh, people 50 plus uh, was down a lot compared to last week. Um, and you have uh, male and females were about the same. And, and overall, they're about average uh, compared to like the last you know, few weeks. So it's not the AEW. AEW seems to be settling. At a base, and that base is somewhere between seven hundred and seventy-five to nine hundred thousand people. They'll hit that nine hundred thousand mark. They'll dip around below that seven hundred, you know, fifty thousand mark. But it seems to be that's where their uh, bread is butter. Mm-hmm. And for NXT, not for NXT, but for uh, for TNT as a network, they are one hundred percent okay with that. Because if you look at the ratings for all of Wednesday, there isn't a single show um, on TNT or TBS in any time slot that comes close to what uh, AEW brings. Like, period. So there isn't another uh, cable show in that time slot next to basketball or NXT that comes close to what a mark of what AEW is bringing. Now, if you could say that, go ahead. But both of that we've mentioned this before. Both of these shows, I think, are very safe at this level, just based on right. everything else. On whether it's USA or TNT, there just there aren't really big hit shows on those channels right now. So they're 
desperate for any numbers they can get coming in. So these numbers are definitely okay. I think it would have to get if it fell down to around like half half a million on yeah. a regular basis, then I think they're in trouble. If they then, lose like yeah. two hundred, you've lost thirty percent of your audience. What happened? Yeah, at that point, I think that's when they start to be like, okay, there's an issue. Uh, as well, long as they're at me- this level and sometimes spiking closer to you know close to under a million, then oh yeah, they're they're golden. Well, let me ask you this, and anybody can answer. Uh, I think the ratings more reflect about the lack of eyes on NXT than it does about the success of AEW. Now, granted, we call this the Spike Show, uh, NXT, and what they've been doing. And we, we know that no matter what, WWE is making money off of the product now. They've been able to turn a profit with NXT in that they're recouping a lot of the... Um, you know, the, tel- the, the production value back from the success in, in marketing. Okay, fine. But this is WWE, and they should be able to put out, they put out their best product in NXT, period. Mm-hmm. Full stop. And it's not that AEW contends to, continues to win, but if WWE is as good as they believe they are, as far as their production and how they set the standards and trends of what a lot of television wrestling is, today then what is it about aew that is continues to have them treading in the top 10 while nxt barely scratches the uh the the mid-20s i mean other than survivor series which literally saw the top of the main roster uh come on through nxt and start important angles that carried over from raw to nxt which gave them necessary bumps, but they have completely shed the Survivor Series bump. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I, go ahead. I'm disappointed that the the vibe from Survivor Series with NXT has not continued. Uh, mm-hmm. At the very least, having you know maybe one main roster person pop up because I know they had Travis Banks yesterday pop up from UK, but we've talked about UK. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. No one really watches it, so. The fact that they haven't capitalized on on just the goodwill that was built up for NXT, and now it's going back to that let's seven hundred, eight hundred thousand. Uh, it's a little it's a little sad uh, for yeah. me and, and disappointing as a, a person who's loved NXT since it's you know this incarnation of it. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it's less about what AEW is doing and more about what NXT isn't doing. Yeah, I mean, I, so I think who, the real answer is that though. But there isn't a real answer for it, not anyone that I can see. And I think the war really is between the main roster fans snubbing NXT. Because I think at 10 weeks in, 11 weeks in, we can say legitimately that AEW is what it is. You will either yes. like it or not. There is still room to improvement, for improvement, but we know what we like and we know what we don't like. And we know that we, what we don't know is why Brandy Rose continues to be a thing. <laughs> These are things that have been confirmed. What we really don't know is, and I would love for a main roster fan, uh, tweet me at Giant Crab, Crab with a K. Why do you not watch NXT? Like, what is it about it that just says no thanks? Is it because of basketball? Are you really watching the impeachment, you know, shenanigans on on cable TV? <laughs> Are you watching Property Brothers? Because that never goes off the air. <laughs> it seems like a new episode every week. Every single damn hour. They're, they're fixing up a new house. Good Lord. But, like, what is it? I, I really, I'm very curious. And that's probably the great mystery of this whole Wednesday Night Wars, if we're still going with that. <laughs> if I could Seriously, put one, one stab who, in it. Who, if I could... Who are these people that are uh, still watching the challenge on MTV that it came in in second place last night? (laughs) Seriously? Are you serious? Yes. That is what came in second. That is the only thing. That's what came in behind the NBA game at uh, 7 o'clock on ESPN and beat out the game at 941 on ESPN. I guess guess college is still a session that's popular, huh? (laughs) Maybe. It it is popular because uh, males, uh, 18 to 34, they did a .5. Um, yep. females eight, twelve to thirty-four, they did a point five. So that's where that's where the people are. They're, the women aren't watching AEW; they're watching the challenge. Um, people twenty-five to fifty-four did a point four six, while AEW did a point three two. So the boomers are not watching AEW. Actually, the boomers are not watching uh, the challenge either. They did a point one, 
but the, the you know people twenty five to fifty four. That's, I mean, they did a half a, uh, half a percent of all television that were watching a, anything. If their TV was on, they counted you, and a half a percent of people, of the populace, were watching MTV for no reason. So I, it just, it's the damnedest thing, though. Yeah. Now, it makes me wonder, given the moves they made on NXT last night, how much of go, going with Finn Balor, for the title shot next week. To me, that yep. obviously, to me, that screamed of, okay, our concern is we want star power. Our number and one concern is we want a recognizable name in this match to, to hopefully spike something for next week so we can go into the holiday and hopefully have our hat on another win. That That's yep. my assumption for why they went with Finn Balor. Because they could have went with any of the three, and that's why I really liked about the Balor, Ciampa, and Lee triple threat pairing. But they went with Balor. And the only reason I can think to go with Balor is he's the biggest name of the three that hopefully so, will draw eyeballs. So yeah, are you ready for a hot take? But uh, wait, before you do your hot take, before you do your hot take, I want to say this. Just what you said, Will, about Balor name. I think WWE since maybe, ooh, 2002, 2003. I think they've had a terrible time trying to find out or how to build mega stars within their own era. I mean, I know Cena had it for a while, then they tried to do the Roman thing. I think the wrestling nowadays is always looking for that big icon. They're looking for that next Hulk Hogan. And something that's worked back in the 80s and the 70s and probably early 90s, it's not going to be something that works now. You have to build up in, in a way. And you've said this, too, before so many times, Jamal, about the little guy. The little guy that a lot of fans like to get a chance to be that number one guy. So they're probably trying to do that with Balor coming in. But they just need a big name recognition. If you're not trying to build up these big name recognitions to try to put them at the top and stop using these big sumo guys to try to be at the top like they did in the 70s and 80s, I think that's what's struggling to why NXT is not working based on the credential what WWE has been trying to do for the last 15 years. So I take Finn Balor is the Emmy Sakura of NXT. Whoa. Oh, I don't know about that. How did that stiff? Mm. Let's, let's, let's hear the reasoning behind this one. Mm. So, <laughs> that was that. So, um, Emmy Sakura, uh, Googler, if you don't know that name right now, but she has a prolific career in Japan. Hell of a career in Japan. Uh, she's been wrestling for a legit 25 years, she's done it all in Japan. And that really doesn't amount to a hill of beans in Garland, Texas. I'm not saying that it shouldn't. It definitely should, because her reputation does uh, speak for itself. However, it has not crossed the Pacific with her. Finn Balor, unfortunately, succumbed to injuries uh, when Seth Rollins uh, you know, injured him and when he lost the title and all that stuff. On the main roster, because NXT doesn't count. Finn Balor really has not regained that momentum in the big way that people were expecting when he came from Japan. Because, again, we can't count the NXT. It doesn't exist. So if you're looking for Finn Balor and you want to see Balor at his best, would you watch anything from the main roster versus anything from Japan? Probably not. But he deserves better because his reputation should have preceded him, and it doesn't. So Let me ask they this. Send... Is this before injury or after injury, though? Because that I will answer in two ways: before his shoulder injury and then afterward. I have two different answers. Well, to be honest with you, before his shoulder injury, he was only um, in the on the main roster for like a cup of coffee. Yeah, so he, like he that's he true. just got there, got hurt, and had to take some months off. Sucks, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, that he. So he, I'm not saying that he ever got a, like a, a fair shake because he really didn't. Never really lost the title. Never really addressed that anyway. Nope. Definitely went away for a few things. Got injured again. Sucks. Don't care. But the bottom line is, is that we know what it could have been. But what it is, is the same thing. And it's the same thing with Emmy. We know what she, what it is. And that whole, you know, the queen gimmick or whatever the hell she's trying to do. Um, with, with that whole thing with the microphone. Looks goofy as all hell, especially as a yeah, heel. it does. Two yeah, it doesn't work at all. It doesn't work. Oh, so, she's working as a heel? I thought there was two faces last night. Oh, no. She's definitely working as a heel. That's why she uses That's why she used the uh, mic stand as, as an abdominal stretch. Okay. Um, so, I mean, she better be working heel if she's doing that. I thought that. it was just goofy. 
Right. It's goofy as all hell to Americans. But we don't, but that's what Queen in America to the casual audience, and I know they're a big deal, but to the casual audience, if she were to do a Prince gimmick, then that would be like, I see what you're doing, but you're also Japanese and doing a Prince gimmick doesn't really work in, in America. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, is that her reputation precedes her. and She's damn good. And there's a reason why Kenny brought her because she's the truth. But it doesn't matter because that hasn't translated to America. And I don't think that Finn Balor has translated in America in the way that he should have. His going down to NXT should have been a bigger deal to casual WWE fans than it was. And we can prove to you that it's not because the ratings haven't reflected a shift with Balor to NXT. Casual is on following there. There is an earth to where Finn Balor won that universal title and his shoulder didn't get tore out and a whole bunch of something happened that we're never going to know. Because that is like the biggest what if. If he had if he had gotten to get that universal title run and be the first guy with that red belt like they wanted to do, well, yep. hell, what would that how would that belt have ended up? Because that belt's always kind of been a joke belt. It's never really had like much right. steam on it. And I think it's like from day one, that belt's been cursed when he got hurt. And it hurt the belt and mm-hmm. it hurt him. And it's like, God, what how things might have been different if that right. shit didn't happen. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and again, I don't say this to disparage either character, but the, but the reality is, is that Balor was supposed to go to NXT, not necessarily to save it, but to put the nail in the coffin of what AEW was trying to do. And this is why I said Daniel Bryan and not Finn Balor was the guy that moved down to, a, to uh, NXT because he has that main roster clout that could have brought casual fans, but they went with Balor. Balor ain't that guy. He could have been. He should have been. He should be right now, but he ain't. And the ratings today mm-hmm. reflective of that. So there you go. Hot take. Don't burn yourself. Valor is your Emory Sakura and vice versa. <laughs> valid valid I, argument. There, there, are some, there are some definite valid points in there. Definite valid points in there that I think are really interesting. And I guess we'll, we'll see what happens next week since I would think they're going to put a heavy, heavy push on, I mean, like I said, last week, next week's show between that, the Shayna and, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on, Rhea Ripley, the title match there. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be a takeover style event next week. Yep. On, they got NXT. to. So they are going to put a lot of steam on that show. And I'm sure tomorrow night on SmackDown and on Monday on Raw and heck this weekend at the pay-per-view, I think they will be hyping that card big time as like the last big NXT of the year. Wait, there's really a paper this weekend? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, 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 right? I, I'm not interested. Uh, TLC is always like a kind of a throwaway show, being it's like that, that ground Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. But uh, yeah, is there anything at this show what, what, what it, that people are remotely looking forward to in any kind of way? <laughs> Okay, like if I want to be like semi serious, even though I really don't know what the card is and I have to look it up, I'm really interested of how they're going to build this Miz slash Daniel Bryan slash Fiend storyline. And I want to see where they're going to go with this. Now, am I going to watch TLC on Sunday? No. But the fact that I just want to at least see what could the possibility be of what they're going to do with these characters, because this could bring a three way feud that can be done great, grow greatly, but. I don't know if they'll pull that trigger to do it that right way. As of right now, we they have it as not the fiend against the Miz, but Bray Wyatt against the Miz, from what I remember. So yeah. are they gonna Good have point. Bray Good come point. out in his in his aerobics gear and, and wrestle the Miz? Is he that gonna come out in his true. Mr. Rogers sweater and wrestle the Miz? I think he should wrestle in the sweater. I, I think that would be just hilarious. But because I just saw the Mr. Rogers movie on Sunday. But uh, oh, was it good? Was it good? It was a therapy session. It's uh, if you're watching okay. that, and it's it's almost as if it was an episode inside a movie of the Mr. Got Rogers you. show. I got you. Yeah, I was like, dude, can... Tom Hanks is looking at me in my soul, and I don't I don't feel right. This feels uncomfortable. I don't want to talk <laughs> about this right now. My parents are all about this movie, and it's like, no. But that that's that's kind of how uh, I would want to see Bray wrestle. Uh, the only thing I'm interested in, to be quite honest, if they pull the trigger with this Kabuki Warriors versus uh, Becky and, and Charlotte, right? And even for one night, if they got the balls to put it on Charlotte and Becky, 
just to shake things up, even though I think that's the wrong idea. But because I feel as if the women's division on the main roster has gotten stagnant to the point where even I don't want to tune in to watch women's wrestling on WWE television, aside from NXT. Yeah. Kind of, to me, the hottest thing in the women's division right now is... um, the Kabuki Warriors. Yeah. The two of them with this makeover, with the, the heel turn, with the promos that they're cutting that are just them just screaming in Japanese and they're just so much emotion behind them. Where it's like, it doesn't, you don't need to know what they're saying. They're conveying everything just through the emotion of what they're doing and it works perfectly. It, I'm loving everything they're doing with Kyrie and Asuka right now. So I would love to see how that plays out. I'm glad you mentioned the whole Bray Wyatt situation, Damien, because I had forgot about that, that they are advertising it as Bray and not as the Fiend, which I think is a very smart move because I think they've already realized that they have painted themselves into a corner with this damn Fiend and the damn red light matches. The problem with those matches is, as I've joked about before, it's someone putting the cheat code on playing SmackDown versus Raw. It's like suddenly (laughs) he's invincible. And what fun is it to watch the Invincible Fiend take five finishers and just kick out every single one of them. It's like all you're doing is hurting his opponents and making him just out to be invincible, and that's it. And it's just that story you can only tell so many times, and they've already told it a handful of times now. So if what they are going to do on Sunday is have him be in the more Mr. Rogers presentation and have him actually be able to be hurt, that creates some mileage that creates more of a storyline here creates depth to this character and obviously you can bring the fiend into play to keep things going but i think that's an important move they need to make where it can't always be the fiend versus whoever on pay-per-view it's not gonna work doing that every single darn time Hmm. i think the only match and i'm looking at the wikipedia article for it so it Whatever well, I was it is, doing the same world. thing. I was doing the same as that. Because who knew that they announced seven matches? Good God. God, um, right. Exactly. Yes. Right. Right. Got to follow that so, social media. That's where they do all that crap nowadays. <laughs> so the only match that I'm legitimately interested in is Alexander Rusev versus Bobby Lashley. <laughs> Just end the angle? No, no, no. Not necessarily the end the angle. But what will they do with it? Because it's like you're burying nuclear waste. You have to do it a special way or you'll kill everything around it. So what do they do with this angle? I mean, do they just end it? And and then what? What for Rusev? He had nothing before this. This is giving him something to do for more than a few months. It's gone a long way, long way, way than it should. But what is his angle? What's his end game? You know, what's his next move after this? Who is he challenging for a belt? What, what will he do? Honestly... What I think is, they. I, I would like to see them do something like actually teaming up Rusev and Bobby Lashley, realizing that Lana is just a slut, and Rusev divorces him. Bobby Lashley's like, you know what? This is actually, it ain't worth it. So, hey, we should be friends because this bitch is crazy, and we can go <laughs> out, and, and we're actually pretty damn good. Let's, so let's, I know they did it with Sheamus and Cesaro. But I kind of feel that that actually could be a thing. And once you get over the fact that they had a best of seven series that they didn't finish um, and they became an actual tag team with a battle rap session for no reason, um, it's not true. It wasn't terrible overall. And Rusev and Bobby Lashley could be a formidable team. They have the look, they have the size and all that good stuff. And I think, you know, the friend, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And obviously Lana doesn't really need to do anything because she's Lana. She doesn't wrestle. So, you know, she she can take X number of months off. She's already re-signed with the company. So what the hell is she going to do? You know, and this makes an interesting question about Rusev because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been confirmed to be re-signed with the company or anything like that. We don't know what his status is. Do they just end it? Let him sit at home for 90 days and then he shows up on AEW? Um, I'm, I'm really, there's so many different implications, none of them are storyline related, that I kind of want to see how this goes because I really see this going towards the Royal Rumble. 
I really like what Jamal just came up with in a lot yeah, of ways. Because I'll say this. Yeah. And it was really clear on Monday. The one thing this angle has done, Rusev is over as a baby face right now. He mm-hmm. is over and just, he is charming. He's got like that personality now where it's just, he, people like him. They've always liked him, but they really like him again now. Just mm-hmm. him playing off of Lana and her just being so over the top ridiculous. It's really endeared him to people. So I think he, he's coming of all of them. He is coming out of this situation. Great. What they do from here, the idea of doing something where Bobby Lashley also comes to his senses and just like, okay, now that this is all this, uh, her revenge thing is, or if she becomes disinterested in him because of the whole point all along was putting the screws to Rusev. And then you use this to also hopefully get Bobby Lashley over some, because Lord knows he's needed the help the entire yeah. time since he's been back. You put the two of them together, and heck, the easiest thing in the world to do then is just you just pair Lana up with some tag team to send them after them to, to you know, because she's she's pissed and she just wants to make their lives miserable. And you just use her as you know the shrew, constantly sending more hooligans after them. And I can definitely see Lana paying the OC. To go get them both. Yep. I was thinking I, the revival. Maybe the revival. Maybe, maybe I, mean, I was thinking, you know, particularly uh, Gallows and Anderson, but, uh, and that necessarily having anything to do with AJ. Uh, but, but still, the revival or, or whatever the case may be. But I just think that they, you know, definitely have something there. Mm-hmm. And it's, to just end it would probably be worse than concluding the storyline. Yeah. I think they've There's come more. so far, it would be silly to give up on it now. Right. There's more mileage they can get out of it. And given where we are right now, heading into the new year, you got Royal Rumble coming up. You, there's very easy things you can do with this building to Royal Rumble and some kind of confrontation during that match. And Lana can get someone eliminated. You know, there's there's <laughs> lots of easy plot points. I mean, you can do coming up to stretch this out for a few months just to to wrap it up and put a bow on it and and bring some more people into the story where some more people can get some rub out of it. To Like, like we were saying, if this becomes a tag team feud, then now, now you're getting some tag teams involved and you can spice up some act that's kind of dull by putting Lana with them. So th- there's a I think it, there's a lot they can do. And I'd if like they can to- wait until Halloween to give the theme the title. They can wait until Valentine's Day to wrap up this. <laughs> oh, and that will what's the February pay-per-view that comes right after Royal Rumble? Is that fast? What's the name of that? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can change it, oh, but it's been like roadblock in your house. It's one of the in your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm about to say you can name it. The Valentine's Day Massacre or something. I don't know. Yeah, because ECW can do that already. This Uh-oh. whole darn thing has to go yeah, to Valentine's right. Day now. It has been booked tonight, and now I'm sold on wanting to see that match. See, Jamal's doing a better job than WWE here, coming up with ideas that, like, (laughs) (laughs) well, we are getting closer to the top of the hour here. So what else we want to get into here as we're we got a Mm pay-per-view, we got AEW, we got NXT. What what else is going on? I'm going to throw I'm going to throw my little hot take uh, in terms of the women's division at AEW only because for AEW Dark last night, there were two women's matches. And one of them consisted of uh, B. Priestley versus Chris Statlander. Ooh. Uh, yes. And it was pretty decent. Uh, I'm not a B. Priestley guy. I've never, I have never really liked her in-ring work. But her and Chris actually had really good chemistry. And you'll see that on, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Chris Statlander, she's definitely going to be in that angle with Awesome Kong and, and, and Brandy Rhodes because they mentioned in the promo that Chris Statlander still has a, an option to join their group. So I, for the foreseeable future, she'll be involved um, with that angle. But I, can see, but I can see her eventually winning the AEW women's title because, God bless her, Britt Baker, you're trying, girl, but they, they had her wrestle a local talent last night who – isn't the greatest. I've seen her wrestle here before. Her name is Machiko. Uh, it was two green wrestlers wrestling each other, and it was as bad as you thought it would be. There was no pop for Britt Baker, uh, even though I heard she's a dentist and a doctor. What? Uh, you know, she, that, the, she, she legit. Legit hot take. She's a doctor. Well, I'll be damned. 
you know, I, I got an up close view of her finisher, the lockjaw. How is that supposed to look intimidating? You literally are doing the reverse mandible claw. In because the she's, she's pitching down to the mandibular nerve. Don't you know how painful that is? Every dentist knows that. <laughs> it's, it's just they're trying so hard. And uh, even Brandy Rhodes made a comment in her promo that Britt Baker, all she's good for is being, you know, because of her boyfriend. And I'm thinking, wow, y'all really going to steer into this now, aren't y'all? Okay, great. Mm. Uh, so they're already putting shoveled, shoveled dirt on, on Britt Baker, even in promos. I know we thought when they signed her, she was going to be the pet project because that's who they eventually wanted, hopefully, to unseat Riho. Yeah. No. Abort mission now. Stop it. I don't mm. care who takes the title off of Riho. Anybody but Britt Baker. It, she's probably fifth in that division right now. And that's me being kind. So mm. I would probably argue that the title needs to come off of Riho Lesnar sometime. Quickly. Uh, Riho Lesnar. <laughs> Uh, true. I agree. But, I'm with you. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and, and and if she has dates to fulfill in Japan, so be it. Um, and if she has, and if she doesn't, so be it. Uh, she can always come back. I mean, she her she has that thing that a Britt Baker, that Allie as Allie, uh, were missing when they just put out a bundle of straw that said that they were a dentist. Um, so Rio, uh, hell, even Emmy Sakura, you know, with that goofy ass gimmick has still something it, 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 it emotes in a, a reaction where it's a good bad reaction because i don't like the gimmick but it's still that thing chris statlander obviously has it uh big swole you know has it um and uh, jamie hater definitely has it mm-hmm. uh with that said it's kind of like that that's that's not who they wanted to promote that's not who they wanted to build a division around. You could tell that the fix was in or that the push was given to Britt Baker because uh, she has a lot of the things that you would want a, a, a prominent wrestler to be. She, has the, she does have the look. Uh, she is in a prominent relationship with her, um, you know, with Adam Cole. And, and it is what it is. But just like with people not watching NXT for unexplained reasons, Britt Baker isn't actually terrible. She's just as exciting as oatmeal with no milk. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's mm-hmm. that is dry as all hell. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like I don't know what she could do. Um, you know, outside of a 100 percent 180 degree turn like Ali did. I don't know what she can do. And as far as I'm concerned, she's the Joey Janela of the women's division. It just means that I don't know where you fit right here. I was going to say it was it spoke volumes to me that last night on uh, Dynamite, Penelope Ford just coming out there with Kip Sabian and doing all of like a Hurricane Rana off the apron during that match. Like she had more spark and charisma than Britt Baker does. Not even, you know, working a darn match. Just being out but there I- side. But I also think that that plays off of Kip Sabian being who he is, them playing off of each other, and then she coming out there and busting off a Hurricane Rana out of nowhere. It's like, oh, now I'm definitely paying attention to you for reasons other than the fact that you're hot and his boyfriend. Um, it, She's so, pretty good in that Zelina Vega role, I found. Like, that's the role they, they kind of have her in now. I, I think that's yeah. a good role for her, to be that Zelina right. Vega type. Right, is, because is she great, definitely has something to do. Starting, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so they they're giving her something to do instead of just like because they had like in the first AEW dark, it was like a six woman tag, and at ten forty five at night we're like, well, mm, no. But then Luchasaurus, um, the Jurassic Express and SEU closed that episode of AEW dark, and the crowd finally found their voices again. Um, <laughs> so it, it it just it is interesting to see what like uh, the women. And even though the women's division is very much in flux compared to any other aspect of the show, um, hopefully we Britt Baker finds whatever she needs to find that gives her character a something that differentiates her between that and a jar of glue. (laughs) (laughs) Jar of glue. Dry dry oatmeal, a jar of glue. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Want to add anything else to that list? I'm, I'm pacing myself. Okay, yes, yes. Oh, I don't know if it was brought up on social media, but for spoilers for who who haven't known about Dark, Vicky Guerrero's on commentary. Ooh. That's she got cool. she got heat by me too. The minute she walked out, and it was great because all she said was, "Excuse me," and the place went nuts. Wow! Right? Wow! The I most overheal on the women's roster of AEW is Vicky Guerrero for five seconds. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Who'd have thunk it? That's cool. I, I like that. Um, about AEW Dark, uh, they did two matches after the show and one match before the show. Like, how did that break down? They did one before and three after. Three mm. after. That's how they did it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They did. Private Party wrestled SCU in the uh, pre-show, uh, okay. which which is as expected. What you see when you see those two teams or think about those teams wrestling, it was sure. Private Party doing their thing, their usual athletic moves. Uh, Atlas Security being Atlas Security. And SCU being the kind of the stable, sturdy tag team, uh, Kazarian and, and Sky. Okay. Uh, Scorpio Sky, because he had an aff- affiliation with Wrestle Circus, there was a lot of people cheering for Scorpio Sky, you know, last night. Uh, but post show, uh, it was a st- ended with a six man of the best friends versus uh, who's that? Um, not Sir Pentico. What, what's his name? Uh, Angelico oh. and Jack Evans yeah. and. Uh, mm. Pac versus the Ooh. best friends. Oh, that's that's an interesting match. Yeah. Okay. That's, so so that's let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So you so we have these matches, and obviously these matches are interesting. And I definitely will be checking in on, on Tuesday. And it's on YouTube, and that's fine. And I do like the fact that it's a smooth hour. This past week was an hour and twenty minutes. Um, if you were to add commercials and an intro to it, then that would be closer to the two hour mark. Honestly. If they can go an hour and twenty minutes of taped content, should AEW just air? Should AEW Dark just air on TBS and become like the Thunder to Wednesday's Dynamite? Mm. That's an interesting point. But is it cheaper or more affordable to kick it out on YouTube? If they can get money for it, it should. Hell, (laughs) yeah. I mean, like from a distribution standpoint, it's definitely easier to do so on YouTube. Um, And as far as you know, versus TNT, but they already have it in at TNT. Mm-hmm. And I'm not convinced that, you know, TBS is airing some groundbreaking television that they can't spare two hours between 8 and 10 for. Now, unless people are really clamoring for that, like, new episode of American Dad, then <laughs> cool. But, I, I, you know, if it's that or AEW Dark, I don't know. Or even just make it an hour, you know, an hour of AEW Dark content. And just and then you can still have maybe one match or two matches on YouTube, but yep. have two mm-hmm. matches in a promo on for an hour on, on TNT or, or TBS. But see, yeah. I, I like the extra time for AW Dark because it does fill in a lot of the gaps from last week's Dynamite. If you missed the show, they have the replays for you. If you want to see some new content, they're your matches. If you uh, you miss something on commentary. Tony Schiavone and whoever the lady is beside him, whichever one it is, will plug in some of those gaps. So I think it is necessary to keep it and fill and fill a lot of those holes that Dynamite can't fill because they have a strict two hours and they can't overrun like NXT does. So I'm I'm really okay with the with especially like last week. I think last week was the best version of Dark that there's been because they really did fill in a lot of gaps from last Wednesday. Whether they make more helps or hurts it depends on the storyline, but still, it is what it is. So, if they have the content and they can go over the one-hour mark, if you get to that hour, 20, hour, 30 mark, plus commercials, that's a two-hour block on TV. Mm -hmm. So, if you're trying to get more eyes on the product, because not everybody's willing to go to YouTube, as good as Impact is, less than 5,000 people generally watch their Twitch streams live. Now, and obviously Impact on Tuesday isn't cracking the uh, ratings for um, the top 150, you know, in, in the way that, that, that is meaningful on Tuesdays. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I, anything they can get on TV, you know, if they can get like another hour even, 
on TBS or something. I mean, that'd be great. I mean, we were talking about it just last week that one of the problems AEW has is there's so many people right now that just aren't getting significant TV time. And there's so many stories that are trying to cram into that limited two hours that they have on TNT. So they could easily use a little bit more breathing room, but by that same token, then it becomes how much of that darn extra room that they would have would become recapping what happened on AEW Dynamite. So how much would you actually gain? You get another hour, and it doesn't really only become like 30 minutes because the other half hour is like, you know, the other night on AEW Dynamite, Cody did this. You know, they're going to want to focus on, you know, the names. But if when it's true, but to be fair, these matches don't really have storyline implications other than it approves their record. Um, The Mm -hmm. shows of what happens, what happened last week, should be that bridge between what happened last week and what will happen tomorrow. So it kind of gets you hyped for tomorrow, 24 hours away. And then you have, um, you know, the, the uh, promotional pieces like Big Swole, like, you know, uh, you know, the Cody interviews before the show and stuff like that, where you kind of fill in and introduce a lot of new wrestlers instead of just running them in and people go, what is a busher and a blade and a bunny? I mean... These Dark Order promos could flourish on AEW Dark, giving you exclusive content and a reason to watch on Tuesday, and then uh, bridging that gap to the next night for Dynamite with a new set of week-long storylines take place. I'm not saying it has to happen, but if they, but they obviously need more time to build characters and stories, and Dark is definitely doing that right now. Why not put it on TV so that you can get more eyes on the product? And looking at the ratings for last Tuesday night, uh, Dynamite would have been, um, well, Dark, if it were to do the numbers that Dynamite did, and we can assume that it would because Dynamite has found its audience, it would probably be around the top 15 for Tuesday. Mm. There you go. And I don't think it would hurt in in any way. That's the main thing. I can't see think of any scenario where it damages what AEW is doing or hurts like the Wednesday night show. I think it would only benefit them if they could somehow work out a deal like that. Right. Um, yeah. AEW did like a point three in the 18 to 49 rating um, that put them at number 10, 11 on Wednesday. Uh, that would be good for seventh or eighth on Tuesday. Uh, versus college basketball and inside and NBA on TNT. I'm not saying that they need to do it. I'm just saying that there's room for it. Yeah. Or even if they don't do it there, if they did it like on the weekend or something. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely time where they could have another hour of programming on TV somewhere to, to, to get, like you said, just to supplement what they're doing. And that's really what they need is just a little bit more time to supplement things and maybe just to reach people on a different platform as opposed to TNT. I don't know why it's maybe something in the new year that we'll end up hearing about now that, you know, they're going through the holidays and the ratings are settling in and, Oh, something to think about something to hope for maybe under the Christmas tree in a few (laughs) weeks for Tony (laughs) Khan and the boys down in Jacksonville. But gentlemen, any final thoughts as we finish up this week, as we head towards the holidays and uh, TLC and I guess a big Wednesday night next week between title matches on NXT and big, uh, Things happening with AEW next Wednesday. I'll just say I hope both sides make a splash, but don't do too much where it hurts them more than it helps them to where they are now. I don't think there's any major. I don't think there's any major things they can do uh, to kind of. I know it's the season finale for a while. I guess for AEW next week. Uh, I know Jungle Boy's wrestling Jericho. That's interesting, just from an aesthetics perspective. And he fake pinned the champ yesterday, which was hilarious. Uh, but other than that, I'm not really looking forward to TLC. I might just watch the women's tag match. Uh, I'd want to see if Bray's going to wrestle in the sweater. Other than that, eh, I'll wait till next week to watch the, uh, what's, what is it, uh, Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler for the title. Mm-hmm. That, that's more interesting than go. anything else. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing is just going to be to see what happens. Uh, not necessarily on the 18th, which is obviously two shows kind of programmed with each other, but what's going to happen on January 1st? That will be a completely a complete week missed of, of wrestling for on Wednesday, as it is Christmas Day, 
So what, how will that week off feel for us? Will they completely, will they hard reset storylines? Will they, you know, continue on with uh, the things that work and kind of push back the things that don't? Um, you know, will we even be talking about Rusev versus Bobby Lashley? That's the answer. There's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And then, of course, we're not getting the takeover. Royal Rumble weekend. So, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, so, yeah, 2020 is looking very interesting. Almost as interested as Nick Cannon battling Eminem. Who knows what the hell is going <laughs> A a new year with all kinds of wild card stuff. I will say next week is all about one thing for me. Damien hinted at it. It's Shayna versus Rhea. I'm ready to see Rhea take the belt and close out all the momentum she's gotten in the past couple months. Time is now. I figure Shayna has a new horizons in 2020. And if they don't go that route, I'd be very surprised. But you never know. So next Wednesday, that's definitely what has my attention the most. But there we go. Another week with the big gold belt group. And uh, folks, there's a lot of wrestling this weekend to watch. So whether it's the NWA pay-per-view that's happening this weekend, it seems to kind of be a a mystery as far as what's going to happen there. And then how NWA will reset after that. And then we got the WWE TLC and then a big Wednesday night next week. Check it out. And follow along with us as we do. Of course, you can find the Big Gold Belt Group at BGB Group on the Twitter machine. And, of course, at BigGoldBeltGroup.com for all the central location of all the website information and all the Comic-Con stuff. And we'll see if uh, Two Chains returns from the islands next week to join us. (laughs) And if you'll have seen any of this uh, exciting action that's going on. But gentlemen, I'm glad we got to get together tonight and uh, crank this out. And we will see everyone again next week with a whole nother show here with the Big Gold Belt Group. Thanks for listening.